You have questions about diabetes and mental health? I have answers. I get questions from my listeners all the time about a wide range of issues around diabetes and mental health. So I want to dedicate a full episode to answering some of your questions. Consider this your diabetes and mental health audio advice column. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. This episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast is brought to you by the Get Unstuck with Type 1 Diabetes program. This six-week digital program will take you from feeling stuck with diabetes to feeling free, flexible, and confident in your life with type 1 diabetes. This program will give you all the tools you need to live life with type 1 diabetes on your own terms. Be sure to act now. This program will only be available until June the 1st. After that, It won't be available again until later in 2021. To sign up or for more information, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash program. That's thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash program. And be sure to use discount code Dr. Mark for $100 off your enrollment fee. That's discount code Dr. Mark, D-R-M-A-R-K. Be sure to act now if you want access to this program at this special price before it goes away. Get excited. This program is going to change your life. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm answering your questions. I love getting questions from my listeners, and I want to make sure I'm spending the time on this podcast giving you what you want and answering your questions. So this is the episode where I'm going to start doing that, and I hope to make this a regular part of the podcast. On this episode, I'm answering your questions about how to be more patient with type 1 diabetes, how to feel less self-conscious around your diabetes technology, how COVID-19 has impacted the mental health of people with diabetes, And I'll also answer a question about how you can deal with your partner or spouse when you feel they're asking you too many questions about your blood sugar. And finally, we'll talk about why you're anxious when your blood sugar is low and why that anxiety might actually be helpful. And as you're listening, if any questions come up for you, please send them my way and I'd be happy to address them on a future episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. So without further ado, let's get to your questions. This person asks, have you ever heard of emotional bolusing? It's something I struggle with even with my pump's adjustment algorithms. I end up insulin stacking for my corrections and also eating more than I should to correct. I can't stand to see high numbers and I want to fix them as soon as possible and as soon as they appear on my CGM. Do you have any advice or resources? And first of all, I want to say this is a really common challenge. I don't know one person with type 1 diabetes who is not impatient. I certainly am impatient with my blood sugars. And it's really challenging to see those high numbers and not see them changing and not try to react or control them. But what we also see is that when you try to control those high numbers, 
it actually makes the situation worse. You end up reacting to them out of frustration, as opposed to making proactive choices about what's going to be best for your blood sugars and for your mental health. One thing you'll hear me say over and over again is in order to live well with diabetes, you have to learn to tolerate distress. You have to learn to be uncomfortable and to be okay with being uncomfortable because life with diabetes can be uncomfortable. And the more we try to fight that and the more we try to control it, the tighter the grip it has over us. And so I want to encourage you, if you do preemptively bolus, to do a couple of things. The first thing is simply take a deep breath and tell yourself, I know I'm frustrated, I know I'm anxious, and I know I'm impatient. I just label those feelings. Labeling your feelings acknowledges that they exist without judging them and without trying to change them. But you name them and it gives them some sort of substance. I think there's a fear that if we label our feelings, somehow they become more real. But actually, the opposite is true. When you don't label your feelings, they become overwhelming because they're really amorphous. They don't have any kind of structure to them. But when you say to yourself, I feel, I'm feel, i feeling X, Y, or Z, it helps you kind of wrap your head around it and allows you to be intentional about what you do about it. Labeling your feelings is a great place to start. The next thing is, is to take a deep breath. And the deep breath calms you down, but more importantly, it gives you some space. It gives you some space to make a decision as to what to do next. Because the challenge comes into play when you're feeling uncomfortable and you react because you don't want to feel uncomfortable anymore. And so you do what you can in the immediate short term to try to get rid of that feeling. And it usually backfires. But if you're able to take a deep breath and take a step back and say, this is what I'm feeling and I'm going to decide how to react to it. It gives you some space to make a decision, whatever that decision may be, whether it's stacking insulin or whether it's taking a break and allowing the insulin that you have in your body to actually work. See, what's happening here is this person is preemptively bolusing because they're frustrated and impatient. And then once they do it, they start beating themselves up over doing it. And so that actually makes the situation with their emotional state of being even worse. Not only are they impatient and frustrated their blood sugars, but they're upset with themselves because they made a decision that made things even more challenging for themselves. Giving yourself some space to make a decision how to move forward based on logic and based on what you want to do, as opposed to what your emotions are telling you to do, can really help here. The next couple of things I want to suggest are things that you can do when you're not feeling anxious and when you're kind of have some time to take a step back and you're not impatient with blood sugars at that moment. The first is to recognize what the consequences have been when you have over or preemptively bolus in the past. Did you go low? Did it make you even more anxious? How did you feel? You want to have that information in your back pocket. And so when you're scrambling to make a decision when your blood sugar is high and you want to stack your insulin, you can draw on that and remember why stacking insulin may not be the best idea. And finally, this person asked about a challenge that we're just discovering right now, and that is being able to trust the pump's algorithm. These new pumps are amazing, and they have really been game changers in how we manage our diabetes. But at the same time, they take control out of our hands and put it into the hands of an algorithm. And that can be a little bit scary. 
What I want to encourage you to do if this is something you deal with is to learn about how the algorithm works and to learn to trust the algorithm, both by understanding how the process works, but also seeing how it works in your life. If you're able to not stack your insulin and allow the algorithm to do its job, does it bring your blood sugar down? Even though it doesn't do it as quickly as you want it to. And finally, there's no way to make insulin work faster. There just isn't. And stacking insulin does not make it work faster. It just puts more insulin in your body. And we all know what happens when you have too much insulin in your body. So take a step back, make intentional decisions, gather the information from the past and about your algorithm, and then learn to trust the algorithm and recognize that the process won't be comfortable, but it will get easier with time. This question is, how can I wear my diabetes devices loud and proud? It's been easy during COVID because I haven't been able to go out at all. But now that the restrictions are being lifted, I'm worried about going out to bars and restaurants and wearing a tank top during the summertime and having my devices be visible. How do I deal with this? There are a couple ways I want to answer this question. And the answer really depends on why is it that you're worried about wearing your devices in public. And I'll start with the easy one. And that is because it makes me look different or that it's going to draw attention to me that I don't want to have because of my diabetes. I'd really rather not have people ask me about my devices and diabetes because it's a distraction from who I am. And this is a concern that a lot of people have. They worry that if they wear their medical devices and people see them, that it'll kind of be like having a big mark on their forehead saying, I have diabetes, look at me, feel sorry for me, or make fun of me, or some other thing that could be really embarrassing. And has that ever happened? Sure it has. It probably happens on a daily basis somewhere. And it may have happened to you at some point in your life. But you also have to ask yourself, if you were at a bar or restaurant and you saw somebody wearing an insulin pump or a CGM or some medical device you'd never heard of, how much thought would you give it? You may ask the person what it is or think to yourself, huh, that person has a device on them. But then you'll probably move on to thinking about something else pretty quickly. And you probably won't even remember that you saw that thing on the person. Or if you did, you won't think much about it. This is an example of challenges taking up a lot more headspace for us than they really need to. So if you're going to go out to a bar or restaurant and wearing an insulin pump or CGM, and you were sure with good evidence that you would be made fun of all night long and people would stare at you, then don't go out wearing your CGM and pump. I wouldn't do that. I don't want to be made fun of. But more often, we worry about these things without good evidence that they're going to happen. And realistically, the probability of someone caring that you're wearing an insulin pump or a CGM is fairly minimal. I remember a couple years ago, I was at a resort in Mexico at the pool. I saw a woman there wearing an Omnipod on her arm. And I saw another guy, not in the same group, wearing a Dexcom. And they were just doing their thing without a care in the world. Now, I noticed them because I have diabetes and I work in the diabetes field. But nobody else at the pool, and the pool is pretty crowded, noticed or paid attention at all to their devices. Honestly, people have better things to think about. 
But the only way to really find out for yourself is to test it. Try wearing your devices loud and proud, even though you're not proud of it, but you know you can pretend, and see what happens. If you go out and you get evidence that it's more trouble than it's worth, then rethink wearing them while you're out. But if you go out with a pump on your waist or a CGM on your arm, and you find out that no one's paying attention, it takes this thing away. It makes it a lot easier for you to go out and really not worry about having a CGM or a pump that's visible to other people. I really want you to make decisions about what you do with your diabetes based on facts and not based on stories that you make up in your mind. And the worry that anyone's going to pay attention to or care about your diabetes device is most likely a story and a story that's taking up way too much of your headspace. For some people, worry about wearing a diabetes device actually speaks to a bigger issue, and that is the issue of accepting diabetes. Diabetes is an invisible condition. You can't look at me and say, oh yeah, he has diabetes. And in passing, it's pretty easy to hide. But wearing a medical device makes an invisible disease visible, and it makes it tangible. It's a piece of equipment that reminds you all the time that you have diabetes. Now, for most people, wearing a medical device is a no-brainer, and they don't even notice they're wearing it. But if you're having trouble accepting diabetes and your insulin pump or CGM is a reminder, a physical reminder of something you'd rather forget, then that shows me that acceptance is a challenge for you and really got to focus on that. So if you're having trouble being loud and proud with your devices or just wearing them in public in general, you have to ask yourself, what's driving this and where is my worry really coming from? This person asks, how has COVID-19 impacted the mental health of people with type 1 diabetes? And I have to say, it really has had a big impact for a couple of different reasons. The biggest impact that I have seen is that it has increased anxiety for people with diabetes. People with type 1 generally have a lot of anxiety to start with. But then you add COVID-19, and not only the the fear that they may get COVID-19, but also just the stress in the world we have experienced around COVID-19 has definitely increased anxiety for people with diabetes in general. The other big thing that I've seen in my work with people with diabetes and how COVID has impacted that is not being able to go out and interact in the world. This has affected people in a variety of different ways. You know, I was talking to someone recently who was really focused on and really upset about his blood sugars and how much time he was spending thinking about his blood sugars and how much energy it was taking. And he really wanted nothing to do with it anymore because it, was, it felt like it was going to be too much. Recently, this person was able to go out and do something in his life that he hadn't done in a really long time because of COVID. But now that he's vaccinated and things are opening up more, he's been able to do it. And for him, this was a big revelation because he was able to go out for a couple of hours and not think about his blood sugars at all. Being trapped at home for this person was really challenging because he didn't have anything to do except for thinking about his blood sugars. So being able to go out again now is gonna be really helpful for him, and I'm sure for lots of other people with type 1 diabetes. The other thing that I've noticed for some people is that they've been really focused on their blood sugars and the anxiety around their blood sugars 
uh, with COVID because they see it as better distraction than focusing on what's happening in the world. You know, because they're so scared and so worried and so confused about the situation in our country right now with COVID, their blood sugars are the devil that they know, as opposed to the devil that they don't know, which is on the outside. And so by focusing on the blood sugars, it's not comfortable. It causes them anxiety, but it's an anxiety that they feel that they can handle better than the anxiety that may be happening for them on the outside or within relationship conflicts with their family or their friends, with challenges at work. It's become kind of the a good example of a good excuse to um, not think about other things and to focus on diabetes, which tends to become the scapegoat for lots of people. And COVID-19 has definitely made diabetes the scapegoat for plenty of people in our world. This person asks, how do I deal with my wife who I feel asked too many questions about my blood sugar? I have to turn that back around on you and ask you, why is it so bothersome that your wife asks you so many questions? You know, what is it about diabetes that you don't want to answer her questions? Because my guess is that she's asking you these questions because she's curious and also because she cares. While it may be annoying for you, helping her to understand your experience with diabetes and to be able to help you to manage your diabetes and to be a team together, I think could be a really helpful thing in your relationship, even though I don't know much more about your relationship than that. The other thing is I would really encourage you if you feel that her questions are are inappropriate or that she is focusing on your diabetes in a way that you don't find it's helpful for you or for your relationship, I would really encourage you to be honest with her. Part of a healthy relationship is being able to set healthy boundaries. I did two podcast episodes on boundaries in May, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't already. But boundaries are important in relationships, in our relationships, and around all things. They're especially important in our relationships with people around our diabetes. You know, what information they have and how they help us or how they don't help us. It sounds like from this question that you're feeling like your wife is asking you too many questions and crossing that boundary. And so being able to set that boundary and let her know and let yourself know why it's important for her to take a step back and not focus on your blood sugars and ask so many questions to you would be helpful, both for yourself, but also so that you can communicate that effectively to her. One of the biggest challenges that we see a lot in relationships now, which is a new challenge, it's a good one, but it's a new challenge, are dealing with how do we share our data with our CGMs, with our spouses and family and friends, who gets access to what? Because a lot of people feel that CGM follow data can be an intrusion and people have people in their lives too active in their diabetes management. And so being aware of what sorts of boundaries are going to be effective for you in your relationship with your wife and in your relationship with your diabetes, but also remembering that your wife cares about you and she wants to keep you safe and that she probably plays a role in helping you to stay safe and stay healthy with your diabetes. And so setting too much of a boundary will probably not only get her angry with you, but it may also have an impact on your ability to manage your diabetes well. So I want you to think about that as well as you're thinking about how to move forward here. But the bottom line is, I think that you wanna be able to communicate with your wife as to what she's doing and why it is not helpful for you, and also give her an alternative to help her see 
what she could do to be able to help you in a way that's going to be helpful for you, but also going to make her feel like she plays a role in your life and in your diabetes management. This person asks, I have a fear of low blood sugar, and I feel like I want to get over my fear of low blood sugar, but I'm scared to overcome my low blood sugar anxiety because I'm worried that if I do, that I'll put myself in a dangerous situation. And this is a good question. I think this really brings us back to the reasons why people with diabetes experience anxiety. And in some ways, anxiety can be really helpful. And in some ways, anxiety can not be helpful and can really hold you back. So let's start with the first. Anxiety with diabetes is a helpful thing. Just like anxiety in other areas of our life is a helpful thing because anxiety by its nature, the reason why we have anxiety in the first place is because it keeps us safe. If you weren't scared of low blood sugar, you would probably allow yourself to go low and not treat it. You wouldn't worry about it a bit. And really, we want you worrying about low blood sugar to a certain degree. We want that worry to be able to prompt you to action and keep you safe. Just like we want you worried about high blood sugar. It's just like I want you worried about crossing the street without looking both ways. If you did that, you would probably get hit by a car. And so just like you have a worry about low blood sugar, you also have a worry about crossing the street. But you are able to cope with that by looking both ways and making sure that you're as safe as possible in that process. The same thing is true with diabetes. The big challenge here with not getting over your fear of low blood sugars and having that fear to overcome that fear is that you'll never give yourself the opportunity to see what's possible. If you maintain that fear and then you maintain the behaviors around it, like keeping your blood sugar high or avoiding activities, then you keep yourself safe in your mind. But I want to suggest that that may be a false sense of safety because not only could it be damaging to your mental health as well as your physical health over time, but also you never give yourself the opportunity to find out what's safe with low blood sugar and what you can actually handle. I want to suggest that for many people, the biggest challenge with low blood sugar is not actually having a seizure or getting the paramedics called or having glucagon used on them, but it's a fear that they can't handle feeling low, that that feeling is really scary. If you're not able to get to that point where you're able to feel low, you'll never see that, yes, it's uncomfortable, and yes, it causes you anxiety, but that anxiety is actually what is going to keep you safe. So we want you to be able to come to that place, see that you feel anxious, see that you have those signals are obvious to you, and then see that you have the ability once you get those signals to be able to take action and treat the low and handle the feelings of anxiety and the feelings of being low. But if you're never able to get to that point because you're worried that it'll get you to a place of being unsafe, you trap yourself and you stay stuck. And if you know me, you know that one of my biggest goals for the people who listen to this podcast and for the people I work with is to help them get unstuck. And so being scared because of a fear of overcoming the low blood sugar anxiety is a way of keeping yourself stuck there and never being able to move forward in your life. I want to encourage you to take some calculator risks and be able to do things in a way that's going to help you to gain evidence that you need to be able to become more free and flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, follow the podcast, and also leave a five-star rating and review. 
That helps me get the word out to other type ones who could really benefit from this podcast. Also, I always love hearing from my listeners, so please send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com or DM me on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist. I love hearing your questions, your comments, and your feedback about this podcast. And finally, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the podcast. And remember, type 1 diabetes isn't easy, but you can have an easier time with it. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.